Absolutely, we are focusing on that very ideal expressed in that song uh, this evening. Salvation has been brought down. Now, if you do not have a, a worksheet, I want you to please uh, raise your hand. Brother Mark Biles has uh, some extra, and so please uh, raise your hand back here, and um, we also can very quickly make some more. But, um, want to do also, I want to ask you to please be turning to Titus chapter 3. Uh, with me, Titus chapter 3, and um, we'll be reading from there to begin with. Okay. Titus chapter 3. And beginning in verse 1, we'll go through verse 8. Titus 3, 1 through 8. It's Paul's letter to the Christians on an island called Crete. Island called Crete. Titus is there working. Paul is writing to them, reminding them of their salvation in Christ. We, by studying this, we can learn about that salvation and learn how to share it with others, but also learn how it can help us to treat other people as well. Let's do our reading here. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Put them in mind to be in subjection to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready unto every good work, to speak evil of no man, not to be contentious, but to be gentle, showing all meekness toward all men. For we also once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love toward man appeared, not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves, but according to His mercy He saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Faithful is the saying, and concerning these things I desire that thou affirm confidently to the end that those who have believed God may be careful to maintain Good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. We'll stop right there. We'll focus especially on verses 3 through 8. And hopefully for better ease of going through these things, we have first a handout. And you're welcome. And and, um, I encourage you to write little notes on this handout. But also... We'll have a few things on the monitor as well. Okay. We're, fi- we're focusing on seven things, seven segments of salvation found uh, in Christ. And it's based primarily on these uh, verses right here. Alright, so let's begin by noticing that in this text, salvation is defined. Salvation is uh, defined. Okay. Of course, it's called just being saved. Uh, Titus 3, verse 5, Paul said, God saved us. He saved us. 
That implies that man is lost. Man is lost. Before someone comes to God through Christ, man is lost. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 and 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We remember at the end of the prodigal son that the father explained to the older son, this my son was lost and now he's found. He's found. And so the idea of salvation. And then another way of defining salvation is through the word justification or being justified. Okay. Before we come to God in our sins, we are guilty. We are guilty. But because Christ died for our sins and made that payment at awful cost to Him, um, we can be declared justified. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal, eternal life through and in our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And so we can be made justified through Jesus and then also another way of saying salvation is to be regenerated. Regenerated. Okay. Which, as you know, just simply means to be made alive again. It's kind of a rebirth statement. Okay. To be generated again. To be brought to life again. This implies that before we come to Christ, we are dead in our sins. And that's what Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 teaches. That we are dead in our trespasses and sins before we come to Christ uh, for uh, forgiveness. And then another way of saying salvation is that we have been renewed uh, through the Holy Spirit. Renewed through the Holy Spirit. And that implies that before we come to Christ for salvation through His blood, that, that we're useless. We're, we are living our life in vain. But once we come to Christ, then He will make us profitable. Second Corinthians uh, 5 and 17 says... Um, that when we come to Christ, uh, old things are passed away, and uh, all things have become new. Become new. When um, when Onesimus, who uh, ran away from Philemon, when he came back home. He was a Christian, and Paul was explaining to to Philemon. He said, "This man here, uh, Philemon, verse eleven. He was once unprofitable, but now he's profitable. He was once useless." But now he's come to Christ. He's, he's going to be a much better worker now than he ever has been. Okay. And so he had been uh, renewed. Okay. And also on your handout you'll see that another way of saying that we're saved is that we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Ephesians 2.12 says, Before we come to Christ, then um, we are without God and we have no hope. But once we come to Christ and we stay with Him, we live for Him, we're faithful to Him, then we have assurance not only in this life of forgiveness, but we have great assurance in the life which is to come. Do you see what God wants to do to people? Do you see what God wants to do to people? He wants to save people from their sins. He wants to declare them justified. He wants to bring them back to life. He wants to renew their lives, make them profitable for Him. And He wants to give them full confidence. He wants to give them that blessed assurance uh, that we can have. Right. So salvation defined. The second part, as you see, is salvation needed. This is Titus 3, verse 3. Titus 3 and verse 3. Now, you see here in verse 3, several bad characteristics of sinners. Maybe even about nine different traits of sinners given there. Okay. Um, 
And you can read those uh, for yourself again. It's an unholy baggage is what it is. It's an unholy baggage. It goes from hateful and hating one another uh, to uh, being foolish, uh, to being disobedient, being deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures. Okay, let's think about a couple of those terms before we go further. Uh, To be foolish is uh, to be without understanding. It is to not know, and then on top of that, it is to not know that you don't know. You're just in complete darkness when you're foolish. And then to be disobedient is to refuse to be persuaded by the truth. Right here in Titus 1 verse 16, you might notice that some, some profess to know God, but by their works they deny Him. You see, that's, that's what happens when we're disobedient. We, we profess to know God. But uh, and we don't. We refuse to be persuaded by the truth, by God's word, and so therefore we don't really know Him because it doesn't follow up in our lives. Okay. So notice here uh, a few parallel passages. This one on Second Timothy three thirteen is talking about being deceived, being deceived. A lot of folks are very sincere, okay, but they fall under a false ideal, and there's a lot of false ideals in the world, a false teaching a false philosophy, and so they're deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13, Paul tells Timothy that evil men will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so a lot of deceit and a lot of false ideals get circulated in the world, and then they get recycled, and then you, before long you have a lot of people being deceived, and, and then that gets recycled and passed down through the generations, and then you have just a, a, a mess, uh, really a spiritual Chaos in, in the world. Okay. And so notice here that salvation is needed by man because we're all sinners. And that's what's being described here in Titus 3 and verse 3. And Paul puts himself in there. Notice that he said, we also. We also. You see, Paul had some baggage as well. Paul had some foolish history. We all do, don't we? To, to some extent, to a large extent, we have some foolish history. Notice Paul talks about his own foolish history. Let's turn over quickly uh, to 1 Timothy 1, just a few pages back in your Bible. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 12. Look what Paul says about his own uh, baggage that he had before he came to Christ. He said, 1 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 12, I thank him that enabled me, even Christ Jesus our Lord, for that he counted me faithful, appointing me to be in his service. Though I was before, 1 Timothy 1, 13, I was before a blasphemer and a persecutor, and I was injurious to the church. And, and, uh, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord abounded exceeding uh, with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And then that's when he says, Faithful is the saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So Paul puts himself right in there, and we do too, don't we? We put ourselves right in there in in chapter 3 and verse 3 of Titus. And we're thankful for our salvation because that's the description of us before we come to Christ. And notice also Paul says, this once, he says, we were once foolish. Paul Paul is saying, I have grown out of this. I've grown out of this. There was a time in my life when I was very foolish, Paul is saying. But I obeyed the Lord. And now I've been growing. You know, The latter part of the Great Commission given to us in Matthew 28 and verse 20 
says, after you baptize somebody in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are to continue teaching them all things whatsoever the Lord commands. And he'll be with us in that task even until the end of the world. There's a lot, a lot of growing to do before, after we become a Christian. And Paul was thankful that he had been able to grow. He was once foolish, but now that's not the case uh, with him. You know, we sometimes sing that song, His grace reaches me. And it does. And even if we were guilty of all nine characteristics of these sins mentioned here in chapter 3 and verse 3, still His grace, if we're submissive to His will, His grace will reach us. Okay. No one can sin beyond the reach of God's mercy if we just simply come to Him through the Gospel. Okay. So notice first, uh, salvation defined. And then notice here, um, secondly, uh, salvation is needed uh, by man. Thirdly, uh, salvation is brought to us by the love of God. Salvation is brought to us by the love of God. Notice how bad those descriptions are there in chapter 3 and verse 3. And then notice how that verse 4 starts, but God. But God. Folks, every once in a while, in fact, just do it often in prayer. Thank God this way. That Lord, thank you for taking the initiative to go ahead and decide to send your son before I ever came to this earth. Because God knew we would need a Savior before we ever got here. But God, yes, we are foolish. Yes, we, we reject the Lord. Yes, we were serving you know, lots of different kinds of lust and pleasures, definitely. But God wanted to do something about that. But God, we were doomed. We were doomed in our sins, except God would send His Son. Notice here, concerning God, that there's a host of qualities here. Titus 3, 4, and 5 talks about the goodness of God. Talks about His loving kindness. Verse 5 talks about His mercy. You can compare that to Ephesians 2 and verse 4, where Paul says, But God, being rich in mercy for the great love wherewith He loved us, okay, See, God stepped in because that's just how He is. That's who He is. He is the great God of love, mercy, kindness, and gentleness, and long-suffering and patience to us. Okay? And how thankful, how thankful that we are that He is that way. Notice that all of these attributes of goodness concerning God appeared on earth. Okay? We know that refers to Jesus. When it says that this love appeared, Titus 3 uh, four, 4 and 5. We know that refers to Jesus. If you just look back one page in your Bible to Titus 2 and verse 11, you see the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Okay, That must refer to Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, John 14, verse 6. We know Jesus came here. If He did not come here, then we would not be able to enjoy salvation whatsoever. We know that John 1, verse 14 says the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among men. And then it says a couple of verses later in John 1, 17, that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay. And so how thankful we are that salvation was brought down here by the very love of God. And we need to make sure we understand this. Though we are sinners and Though maybe there was a time that we served sin, 
God still likes us. He very much likes us. He loves us. But the word love here, you know, you've heard before uh, that sometimes behind the word love in the New Testament is the word agape. Okay. And oftentimes that is, and that's, that's the unselfish, that's the, that's the planned, unselfish type of love that we show to, in our families, show to a lot of people. But here the love is uh, the other one, the, the uh, say it Larry, the philo, phileo. phileo love, the phileo love. And this is more of, hey, I, I just like you. I just like you. I like because I like who you are. I like the way you are. And this is God saying that to us. Though you were sinners, still, I like you very much. I just love you. And so, uh, salvation brought down by God's love. Chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. And then the next section is uh, salvation does not come through man. We know this. This is, this is outrightly straightforward said in a straightforward way. Titus 3, verse 5. Salvation is not by works of righteousness which we did ourselves. Okay. Uh, there is no plan, there's no course of action that man can or could have come up with in order to orchestrate salvation for man on earth. Okay. We didn't come up with the plan of salvation. Okay. Not through man. Okay. And this is supported by several passages like uh, Jeremiah 10.23 is, is very important. Jeremiah 10.23, the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who, who walks to direct his own steps. Okay. Of course, that's talking about our spiritual needs. I know very well, you know, that we, we do a lot of things uh, that looks like we're doing it on our own. Every blessing is from God, but we make plans and we go out and we go to this place and that place. We'd, but he's talking about here, of course, the way of man. The, the direction of man, the, the soul of man, the, the salvation of man, the uh, hope of man here and beyond this life. Man cannot come up with this, Jeremiah 10, 23. Is, it is not in man who walks on this earth to direct his own steps. We need the Lord. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of those ways are death, always death. We need the Lord. We need his word. Uh, we need his truth. So salvation is, is not uh, through man. This is explained again in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where Paul says, For by grace have you been saved through, through faith. This not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should, should boast. Okay. Salvation does come through man's faith. But we didn't come up with the different elements of salvation. Everything that we do in our submission to God is something that God has prescribed for us. He's laid it down. He's set it up for us uh, in His Word. Now, interestingly, over in Matthew chapter uh, 15, okay, on your sheet it says John 15. That should be Matthew 15. Make that correction there under number 4, part C. Okay, that on the... PowerPoint, we got it right. C part should be Matthew 15. Matthew 15. Because in Matthew 15, especially verse 6, Jesus was um, speaking against the Jews who by their traditions were making void the word of God. 
Now, no man through his traditions can counsel out the word of God, but what they were doing, they were confusing people. They were misdirecting people because they were bringing in all these traditions and trying to mix them in with the true word of God. And that won't work. And Jesus was, was bringing this to light and um, urging them to stop this because if they don't, if you keep reading in Matthew 15, 7 through 9, they're going to end up with vain worship. Yes, you can. You can worship God in vain. You can know about the God of heaven and earth. You can, in your sincerity, you can want to worship him. But your worship can end up in vain because you're teaching as your doctrines the commandments of men. Okay. Salvation, nor any blessing, uh, does not come through man. And we cannot um, think hard enough. We cannot build enough uh, buildings uh, in order to somehow uh, create our way to a salvation state of man. We cannot create salvation for ourselves. And we cannot um, try to increase technology or increase scientific know-how enough to where then we would have a way of surviving death or surviving this world. There's just no way. We need the Lord. So it does not come through man. Number five, God saves through the washing. The washing. You see it here in your Bibles, Titus 3, verse 5. Through his mercy he saved us, not according to works that we come up with, but through the washing of regeneration. The washing of regeneration. This washing has reference to, to baptism. What else could it be? What else could it be? When you read your whole New Testament together, what else could it be? When Ananias, the preacher, came to Saul of Tarsus, Acts 22 and verse 16, Saul, wanting to know now, understanding he's been in the complete wrong, he's been on the wrong path, he's wanting now to know, what must I do? What, what shall I do? Well, God had told him, if you go into the city, then there'll be a man there, Ananias, he's going to come and tell you. And Ananias said, Saul, why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so this washing here uh, has reference to, to baptism. In um, focus here on 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, but in your mind, think about Acts 18, verse 8, where Paul was in the city of Corinth, and uh, many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Now, notice how Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. He says, you were washed. You were justified. You were sanctified in the name of our Lord Jesus. So Paul's reminding them of what happened. When they were baptized, they had been washed. They had been washed. Revelation 7, 14, a question is asked in heaven. Who are these who are clothed in these white robes? Where did they come from? The answer is given. They have come out of a great tribulation. And these are those who have had their robes washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. You see... Paul teaches us in Romans 6, 3, and 4 that when we are baptized, we're baptized into the death of Jesus. And it's in the death of Jesus on the cross where he shed his blood. And so in response to the goodness and kindness of God, when we, based on our faith, we're baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, that puts us in contact with that very important death, that shedding of that blood. And so this washing here has reference to uh, the, the baptism. 
the baptism. Just simple baptism of water. And notice that B part here that this washing is a part of God's whole plan of salvation. A person cannot be saved by baptism until they first believe and are willing to repent. That's why Peter says in Acts 2.38 when he's asked the question, what shall we do? He said, repent ye and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly why Jesus, before he left this earth, he said, Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. And so this washing is a part of the entire gospel plan that brings a sinner to salvation in Christ. Now this washing is also part of what we call the spiritual birth process, the spiritual rebirth, being born again. Now being saved from your sins is the same thing as being spiritually reborn again. It's just another way of explaining it. So in John 3, verse 5, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Except you be born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of, uh, of heaven. Okay. And then to follow up on that, Paul in a couple of places talks about this water baptism. Kind of like a rebirth. Uh, he says, like in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit have you all been baptized uh, into one body. So the body there and the kingdom in John 3, verse 5 would be the same place. Okay. You go through this rebirth. When God, the Spirit, uh, speaks to us through his word, we understand how we are to respond to the great love of God that has been brought to us through the cross of Jesus. And we respond to that. And that brings us in contact with the blood of Jesus and it creates a rebirth, a renewal uh, in our lives. Now, this washing is not part of the first part of verse 5. This washing is not part of the schemes of mankind. This washing, this washing of baptism is not part of man's works. Okay? There's no use being scared of the word work. Okay? There are the works of man that do not save, but there are the works of God who does, who does save. Okay. That's, that's the big point of James chapter 2, that obedience is having faith tied to the works, the, the, um, the commands that we obey from God. Okay. And so there's works that man comes up with to do, and, okay, but there's works that God comes up with to do. Uh, with the do, and so when we obey those, we're not earning our way to God. We're simply humbly saying, "Yes, Lord, I want you to be my Lord, and I will do what you say. I will adhere to what you have asked us uh, to do." So the washing is not part of the um, human works. Okay, don't let someone back you into a corner and say, "Well, baptism is a work." Well, just say, "Yeah, baptism is a work, but it's a work designed by God." Who come up with baptism? Okay, there's not a single man on earth, not a single lady on earth who came up with the idea of baptism, washing for the remission of sins. Not at all. God put that in there. And he explained it very well. Okay, there's no use, there's no use being mistaken about it. It's just there. Okay, and you can search and search and search for the man on earth or the woman on earth who come up with these ideas, but God come up with these ideas. Okay, so when you do what God says do, you're not earning your way to God. You're just thankful that he has provided a plan and you're anxious to submit to that plan because of his love uh, for us. Washing also is not a mere symbol 
or picture of the salvation that has already been taken already taken place. Notice it there carefully in Titus three and verse five. He connects the salvation and the washing together. He says, You're, "He saved us through." That's the connecting word there, through or by. Okay, He saved us through the washing of regeneration. Okay, He, he doesn't say. He saved us through a picture of regeneration. He doesn't say that. He says he saved us through the washing of regeneration. These words like by or through are connecting words. They connect the salvation God has brought with the response that we have through faith. And then uh, he ties those uh, together. I want us to understand, understand that there's always been a divine side and a human side of salvation. Always. Always. Even back in Noah's day when they were wanting to be saved from the great flood that was coming. Okay, God did the saving. But Noah and his family and anyone else who would have listened to Noah's preaching. They followed the instructions about building the ark. Okay, and they followed it to a T. And everybody who went in, a, in that ark were saved. Were saved they were saved from that great flood. Okay. It was Noah's faith and it was God's grace that brought that salvation. And so when we read Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, for by grace, that's God's side. Faith, that's our, our side. Okay. But we're talking about a full faith here. We're not talking about a faith that just says, yeah, I believe, but a faith that's willing to do what God asked us uh, to do. When the jailer asked in Acts 16, verse 30, he asked Paul, he said, he said, Men and brethren, he said, what shall I do to be saved? Okay. All right. What shall I do? That's man's part. To be saved, that's God's part. We don't save ourselves. Okay. God saves us, but when we, when we do by faith what he has asked us uh, to do. So that's, that's part number five. And part number six, God saves the same way he saved people in the Bible. Notice, again, Paul's words. That's the washing. But notice Paul's words here in Titus 3 and verse 5. He said, God saved us. God saved us. Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. He's talking about Titus. He's talking about all those folks at Crete who were members of the Church of Christ there on that island. Okay. The way that those folks were saved are the, is the same way that we're saved today. Okay. How do we know that? Well, Acts 10, 34 and 35 says, God is no respecter of persons. Okay. But in every nation, he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted by him. God's not, God's not going to say Paul in one way and then Ken Nelson in another way. He's not going to say Titus in one way and then Paul Gilliland in another way. He, he saves under the New Testament now. Under the New Testament. That's where we're at. This is, we're living on this side of the cross. Under the New Testament, God saves the same way that he's always been saving. Ever since, ever since Jesus died on that cross and rose from the dead, and the church was established on the day of Pentecost ever since then. Okay. And then finally, number seven, God saves through our faithfulness uh, today. That's one thing that's important 
for us to, to gather. Notice in Titus 3 and verse 8, after he explains this, he reminds the Christians, we must be careful to maintain, we must be devoted to maintaining good works. Because this is the purpose of our salvation that we have in Christ. It's, our purpose is to become a servant of Christ. Romans 6, 18, 18 says, Being then made free from sin, you have become servants of righteousness. You see, Titus 3, verse 3, all the unholy baggage there, that shows that we were serving another master. We were serving the master of sin. We were serving the Satan, really. We were serving this world. But in coming to Christ, now we have another master. His name is Jesus. And he is the Christ. He's the Lord. So now, once we're baptized into Christ, we start growing and we maintain these good works and we go out and we share others. Since we've been redeemed, I like that song we were singing just a little bit ago. Since I've been redeemed. Now I've got a song to sing. Now I can give glory to God. Now I've got some good news to share. You see, God saves us through our faithfulness. Thank you so much for going through this little worksheet. And notice how Paul, the Apostle Paul, he reminds these Christians on this little island of how important their salvation indeed was and is. And they were to be, they were, they were to be reminded that all these people surrounding them that they were once foolish like them. Okay. They were once foolish. Paul said, remember, we were there at one time. And we've got to have compassion. And in faithfulness, seek to share what we know with other folks. Thank you so much for uh, looking at these verses. If you have any sort of question or any, you want further study, you know, this is just a passage, but there's, there's a lot that goes behind Titus 3. Okay. For one thing, for one to, to enjoy salvation, you've got to be convinced that Jesus is the Lord. He has all authority. He showed that in many ways while he was here on this earth, through his, through his incredible teaching, through his fulfillment of prophecies, through the incredible works and miracles that he did, through his suffering on the cross. He predicted his resurrection, his resurrection from the dead. He, he come out of the grave on that third day. He ascended up on high. Everything that he promised has come true. Jesus is the Lord. He's the one with authority. And then back behind Titus 3 also is the fact that, that the New Testament now, it, it is our, it's our standard today. It's our standard. The, the things of the Old Testament, as valuable as they are, a lot of lessons to learn from the Old Testament, those things were a shadow of things to come. We're now living on this side of the cross. The church was established, and the full gospel began to be preached on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2. And we're on this side of all of that. The next thing, the next big thing that happens in the course of history is that Jesus comes again, and we meet him in the air. But right now, we have a responsibility to help other people see the simple salvation that's found in our Lord. Can we assist anyone this evening with salvation 
or with anything that might be on your heart, please let that be known right now as we stand, as we sing.